Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast, The Joyful Frugalista, and now here's your host, Serena Bird. Hello, I'm super excited to share the good news that I have written another book, How to Pay Your Mortgage Off in 10 Years, responds to the cost of living crisis that many people find themselves in. Whether you are paying off a mortgage, you've paid off a mortgage, you aspire to buy a house and have a mortgage, or you know someone who does have a mortgage, this book will have lots of frugal tips and tricks as well as some finance hacks for you. Thank you so much. Yuma Frugalisters, and welcome. Today I have a special guest, and of course all of my guests are special. This guest is someone who has all sorts of tips that are going to help people deal with overwhelm and be more productive and more importantly, help give your life back in very pragmatic and real ways. But first, I have a favor to ask of you. If you enjoy this podcast and find it useful for you, please pay it forward by sharing with a friend. And even better, please follow the Joyful Frugalista podcast. Donna McGeorge is the productivity coach. She is obsessed with helping people make their work work. Funny about that. Most people don't make their work work for them. She uses a creative and practical approach to improve workplace efficiency and challenges traditional thinking on leadership, productivity, and working smarter. And I can certainly vouch for that. Her ideas are quite revolutionary. Donna believes it's about time we got off the vicious cycle of being out of control, overwhelmed, and at risk of failing at the important things. She is author of 11 books and publications, including her latest book, which we're going to be talking about a lot today, which is already a bestseller, The Chat GBT Revolution. Welcome, Donna. Serena, thanks for having me. I am so excited about your new book. (laughs) Me too. It's it's going gangbusters. <laughs> so I believe you wrote this quite quickly, this one. Yes. Look, a little quick story about how I came to write this book, because a lot of people ask that. How does a, a little middle-aged lady on the Gold Coast come to write a book about AI and chat GPT? And it's simply because I was I was investigating it one day around, what is it, do I put locked some time in my diary because people kept talking about it back in January. I started playing around with it and said, oh, this is awesome. So I rang my sister and said, hey, this is awesome. So we started playing together with it <laughs> while we were on the phone. And then she went to work and said and, and told someone whose sisters, brothers, cousins, aunt twice removed ex is a journalist. And next minute I get a call from one of the big papers saying, hey, we hear you're an expert in ChatGPT. Will you do an interview with us on the five ways you can use ChatGPT around the house? And I go, sure, because I was in the mood for just saying yes to everything. And so I looked at, went to ChatGPT and said, what are five things you can do to help people around the house? So I told the journalist I'd done that, so we had a good old laugh about it. <laughs> anyway, so it ended up in the papers. They even sent photographers here to take pictures of me. So I was in the papers on the weekend. On the Monday, I get a call from my publisher saying, hey, we reckon we could get a book out on this really fast, first to market. Would you be up for doing it? And I went, sure, and because I was still in the mood for saying yes. And she said, um, but we need it in three weeks. And I said, well, then I'm probably going to, I know, right, the manuscript in three weeks. And so I said, you know, I'm going to use ChatGPT to help me get that manuscript out. And she said, of course you will. You're going to write about how you used it. And so I did. And so just to put perspective on this, my, my books typically from the moment that I have an idea to holding a book in my hand is somewhere between four to six months. 
and three months of it's usually the writing and editing process. Mm-hmm. But this one, I, I I had the idea around the first two weeks of February. That's when the conversation was happening with my publisher. She had a manuscript by the end of March, ish. It was a little bit a little bit less than that. And I had the book in my hand at, at the end of May, beginning of June. So wow. that was that was like three months. So it halved. It pretty much halved the usual time to make something like that happen. Well, I really relate to this because I was approached mid-February to write a book and I was given, I think, eight to ten weeks and the book was done just after Anzac Day. And I did find that ChatGPT was useful in some aspects of it, but not all. But I guess we're going to talk about some, some things about that. And I guess, you know, one of the things that I found was accuracy, which was interesting. As it was inaccurate. Well, yes, and I and I, you've got some examples in your book of this as well. But you know, you punch in things, and it comes out with this amazing text, and you're like, "Wow, how accurate is ChatGPT?" Because one of the things that I found when writing my book was that it was sometimes difficult to get citations for things. Yes, that's really true. So, so one of the things about about ChatGPT or Charlie, as I like to call him, um, is that he will give you. He, he's very he writes with conviction. So mm-hmm. he gives you this awesome stuff and you think that is just, that just sounds awesome. And then because, as you well know, you and I've got, when you write, you've got to cite sources and you've got to back up where that idea has come from. And so then I'd go looking for citations and I couldn't find one. And then I'd ask Charlie for one. I'd say, can you give me the source of this? And it would look just like he'd make one up. I remember one example, I was looking for a quote that I'd heard years ago and I couldn't remember the exact quote, but it was something along the lines of, Technological advances are going to mean that humans are only going to work 15 hours a week, something mm-hmm. like that. So I, so I literally wrote that. I said, can you find the quote? Anyway, it gives me this awesome quote, and then it says it was said by Winston Churchill in 1945 on a radio interview in the United States, and I'm like, wow, I never knew that Winston Churchill was that into technology and productivity, but anywho. <laughs> so then I went and Googled it. And of course, he never said it. He was never there. That radio interview never happened. It completely made it up. Now, the technical term for this is hallucinating. It's a technical term. It's a technical term. So AI or ChatGPT in particular hallucinates, aka makes stuff up. I actually have my own experience of this. And I'll share that before we talk about why it's hallucinating. So I was writing an obituary actually for someone in Canberra who died. And one of the many things he had done was to found a very progressive school in the 1970s. And at its time, it was incredibly progressive. Like students referred to their teachers by the first name. They had a whole punk rock kind of scene going in the 80s. It was quite out there. And there's a number of very famous alumni. So I wanted to research the famous alumni and it came up with Nick Cave. And I went, wow, well, that totally makes sense, right? Because it was that sort of period of time, that kind of movement. But then I went, hang on, I live in Canberra and I had never heard that he had a Canberra connection. I better check this out. And so I had a look at Nick Cave's kind of biography, checked him out on Wikipedia, and I could see no reference at all to him ever having been in Canberra whatsoever. So consequently, I think that's a a bit of a fail on that one. Well, and funny you should even mention Nick Cave. Because he's been really vocal and anti-ChatGPT. Because, <laughs> you know, he's a poet, you know. I mean, I know he's a songwriter and a singer and a rock and roll musician and all of that, but at his heart he's, he's a poet, the way he writes and what he writes about. And he he's 
he wrote an essay about how he's so afraid for the soul of writing, which now, with love and respect to Nick Cave, who I don't know personally, I'm not at all worried about that because I Apparently think... Apparently he's got some kind of weird connection to Canberra according to Chad Well, there you go, but, um, which is all a big lie. But I would say that people like Nick Cave and true poets and writers who want to write from their hearts will continue to do that. Like, no question they'll continue to do that. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know that's a big deal, but that's, that's fascinating. So that's a big watch out for this around, around using it and because and, it, it's so declarative. Like it declares things, mm. right, with such confidence. Mm. And so why does it do that? Why does it kind of make stuff up? So how, how it works is, oh, this is, a, like if anyone's listening to this who's an expert in AI and, and um, machine learning and everything, they're going to kind of cringe at the simple, simplistic, simplistic way in which I'm going to refer to this. But I want you to imagine that every piece of written data on the planet is like a piece of confetti. Every separate word potentially is like a piece of confetti and it's all, all over the world. And when you say to ChatGPT, tell me about the famous alumni from this famous school, it goes out and finds all the bits of confetti that might answer that. And it could be that somewhere, someone in the past made reference to Nick Cave and said something like, if you didn't know any better, you'd say Nick Cave was an alumni of this school because of his style and that's the kind of thing that the schools did and he was of a similar age. And so ChatGPT sees that string of characters and words and goes, oh, Nick Cave was an alumni of that school. So because it's using stuff that's been written, it can only rely on how it's been trained. And if it's been trained on poor data, so it could even be, you know, my example of Winston Churchill, Winston Churchill might have been mentioned in the previous paragraph to the person I'm talking about. But because it was kind of all in the same place, it just all gets pulled in as part of that. Yeah, it is really fascinating the way it does pull things in. Is it still useful though? Like, and is this yes. a, and and is this a fad? And you talk about how in your book about how quickly this has been adopted. Is this just yep. a fad? Is this something that's here no. to stay? I believe it's here to stay, and I've got multiple reasons for that. One is the speed of uptake, which is how they measure technology. It's like how fast do you get to a million users. And if you, if you use the previous record holder was Instagram, which took several months to get to a million users or subscribers. ChatGPT took four or five days, I think. But Threads just broke the record. They did it in a matter of hours. Um, <laughs> and there's lots of other reasons why that happened. But so it was very quick for uptake. It's super easy to use. I think it's a, it's a game changer when it comes to literacy. For kids who have had some kind of maybe learning disability, not very good at expressing themselves in a written form, or maybe have dyslexia, it's a massive game changer around that. And I think probably the biggest indicator for me is my 79-year-old dad, of all the books I've written, this is the only one he's read and he wow. liked it and he's like, right, I want to get onto this chat GPT. So, <laughs> so there's my reasons why I think it's here to stay. <laughs> I love that. And you give a really good example in your book about someone who does have a bit of a communication yeah. difficulty using this very successfully. It's a story I read out of the US, US I think it was US. Anywho. It was a young man who's a plumber and he'd gone to a guy's place to fix his toilet or something. And while they, while they were chatting about things and the, and the guy who's he is an SEO computer-y kind of expert person. And in the course of the conversation, the plumber said, you know, I have dyslexia. I had to leave school at 15. It was the kind of context where teachers just thought I was stupid. So encouraged me to leave school without recognizing he had a dyslexic. So, so he just never learned really great writing, spelling, grammar, any of that stuff and then had dyslexia. 
So what I really would like to do is landscape gardening and, put, and do fancy swimming pools in people's backyards. And so the this SEO guy who was a bit computer literate said, well, I'm going to create a little app for you that you type into it what you would send. So it's like a text to a client that says, Serena, we'll get yous, Y-O-U-S-E, your <laughs> quote, Q-O-U-T-E, later, Bob. And, and this little app turned it into, dear Serena, thank you so much for the opportunity to quote on your job. I'll be getting a quote to you later today. Best regards, Bob. And Lovely. it's changed the course of this young man's life. Wow. Whereas communication in the past would have been something that would have been, or that lack of communication skills would have been an obstacle now. Well, it was an obstacle and a confidence obstacle, really. Many people who, who were listening would say, oh, I don't care whether my pool guy can't spell the word quote long as he does a good job in the pool. But for him and his personal confidence, putting himself out there that way, that's what the challenge was for him. And it would be the same for plenty of other. I know plenty of other people whose schooling was cut short for whatever reason and who are now using ChatGPT to do social media posts, to write books, to suddenly be able to get their ideas out there. And so, and they're not getting ChatGPT to write it, just in case anyone else is sitting there thinking this is cheating. They'll speak their ideas, have it transcribed, and get ChatGPT to tidy it up. So it's still their thinking. It's just being fixed. So in a way that it's readable to their audience. So I just think it's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. And I must say that as a writer, I never have an excuse anymore for having no. a mental block because, no. yeah, and I mightn't always agree with the ideas and examples, but then it gets me thinking. Yeah. So no one ever now has any excuse to ever be stuck on anything, whether it's a writer's block for a book or a, a tricky email I have to send to a client or getting a proposal done or responding to an email you've had about one of your kids at school and now you've got to craft a somewhat delicate, you know, a little bit assertive but empathetic and relationship-maintaining response, right? You get Charlie to help you do that. (laughs) And so no one ever has to get stuck again, right? Even the what's for dinner, right? What's for dinner? You don't need to be stuck on that either. Well, let's start there because you actually have quite a number of budgeting tips in your book, ways to save money and meal prep is one of them. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of things, right? So meal prep can sometimes be difficult. You've got a you know, family of five, let's say, and you've got a couple of finicky eaters and maybe some allergies. And trying to come up with new and interesting meals can be a bit tricky and also ones that fit a budget. So you can say that to ChatGPT. You can say, we're a family of five. We've got one one person that doesn't like peas. We've got someone who's a nut allergy, for example, and we like to have a mix of different kinds of proteins with our food. We're on a budget and meal planning. You have to be able to cook a meal within 30 minutes. Um, you can keep adding instructions. like, And it would be also awesome if preteens could cook some of these meals so that they could get involved in, in meal stuff. Please generate now a seven-day meal preparation plan or a meal plan. And boom, it will do that with full recipes. And then you can say, now generate me a shopping list in the order of the supermarket. And now, and, and boom, it will do that. Now, there's two cool reasons why that happens. One, it's more productive. You can zip around in order. But two, chances are you'll save a bit of money because you don't get distracted walking up and down the aisles and grabbing, oh, Tim Tams or, oh, packet of chippies right? So you're going very specifically to the parts of the supermarket for what you need. So that's one aspect of it. But I think the real frugalista cost-saving opportunity here is 
I've got chicken, potatoes, and some mustard in the fridge. These are leftovers. What can I make with this? Give me 10 ideas. So you can now open your fridge, have a look at what you've got, ask Charlie to generate uh, some recipes based on what you've got. So that suddenly makes you know a lot of economic sense that you'll be able to not waste your food so much. I love that because like I often do Google things for leftovers, but there's just so many random kind of ideas that Google pops up with. And, and I sort of go down little rabbit holes, go, oh, I could make this or I could make that or I could make everything. And in preparation for this podcast, I did a bit more chat GBT searching. And one of the things I was interested in is Christmas cocktails. I wanted to make a signature cocktail for Christmas and we want to make some homemade ginger beer. Now, for listeners, I'm, we're not huge drinkers. We're very moderate drinkers, but we do want something nice for Christmas Day. And I must say that the gingerbread mule that they came up with was very nice. Oh, see, now I've never thought about that, but you've totally inspired me to do a Christmas cocktail. And we're not huge drinkers either, except my sister and I do like to have a bit of a tipple, particularly Christmas Day. But, you know, you've hit on something. It's like you've, I've got an idea and I just need some advice or a, a start. I reckon that's the power of ChatGPT is you get a start. So I one of the things I liked using it for was my 50-year-old sister-in-law who likes country and western music from the 80s and soaking in baths I need a present birthday present for her for around 50 bucks give me 10 ideas wow and so again right and then it generates 10 awesome ideas everything from bath bombs to well I I can't think of the name of the artist off the top of my head but she gave me a number of artists around whether I could get vinyl albums for them and stuff old t-shirts and stuff like that like it was it was a very very well curated list. And I think this is the key difference between ChatGPT and Google. So could I have Googled that? Sure. And what I would get is 1,425,864 links to look at, a bunch of which is someone else's Pinterest board that I've still got a trawl to find something, whereas Charlie or ChatGPT gives me a really good list. Now, if I said and now only give me things that are available in shops at the Gold Coast, it can go then one step further because it can access whatever catalogues people have out in the world or whatever they've got online, provided it was online prior to September 2021, it could find me that stuff too. And could it then send you a link if you said, and give me a link to buy this online? Yes. Super easy. So anyone who's listening, that's Christmas shopping sorted. Done, right? If you are still doing Christmas shopping, that's sorted. And especially for women, it's so much of the mental load around buying presents and thinking about what people actually like. And the value of unwanted gifts is just huge. Right. So we we were umming and ahhing this year, Just this is just an aside, umming and ahhing this year about having a cost-free Christmas. Ooh. You know, so find something in your house that you know that someone in your family really loves that you don't want anymore. So could you give them that for cost free? Or go that. to any of the free, the free kind of Facebook groups that are, you know, free to good home kind of stuff. Trash and treasure kind of thing. <laughs> um, now we didn't quite get our act together to do it this Christmas, but I'm pretty convinced that would be an awesome thing to do. Cause when you get to a certain age and kids are grown up, what do you need anymore? Everyone just goes and buys what they need anyway. So just something a bit different so it wasn't so over the top and affordable. So what does a cost-free Christmas look like? I love this idea, by the way, and 
I really am on a bit of a mission to tone down the commercialization of Christmas and get back to some of the core values around family connection and actually just having fun. Yeah, so it could be exactly as I said. I look around, I look around my house and I see three books and I think, you know what, I'm going to give those books to my sister for Christmas, not because I'm trying to get rid of them, but because I think I reckon she'd like them. I loved them and I reckon she'd like them. Or it could be I'm going to bake, you know, I'm really good at baking peanut cookies. So I might bake a couple of batches of peanut cookies and give them. My mum makes the Christmas puddings. So it could be anything from handcrafted, I've made something, to, you know, a candle. I'm not into candles, but I know my sister-in-law is. So I might grab a candle that I've still got in a box. So it's looking around your house and going, what am I not needing anymore that would that's still heartfelt? This is not just about dumping a bunch of stuff that you normally would take to St Vinny's. It's still a heartfelt thing. And look, I haven't done it, but I reckon if I was, I would I would write a card and write why I'm giving them this particular gift. Oh, I love that. Why? What about them yeah. really resonates for you? Why are you giving yeah. that gift? I just love that so much. And I must say that I've been a re-gifter for, for many years and some people get very funny about this, but I'm like, I receive a lot of things. People give me a lot of things. It's a generosity they have from the heart to give things to me, but sometimes I just, it's not quite right for me but I'll know someone else who'll really love it. I never have any problem re-gifting and having a re-gift. I feel, think of it more like paying it forward, right? Yeah. So I've received something and now I'm going to pay it forward to someone else, right? Yeah, and it's always really surprising. I did a, a year during our COVID year of 2020 of aiming to give away 1,000 items. It started originally as 366, oh. but it ended up being 1,000. And it was really amazing, actually, how something might be just on my bookshelf and it didn't mean anything, actually had a different and profound meaning to other people. There's a book in that. What, a, <laughs> what an a book awesome in that. book. <laughs> but I'm give, going to have to get to it. Give away a thousand items. Mm. So now back to chat GBT. So particularly <laughs> for those who are interested in, say, investing as well, mm, how mm. useful is chat GBT for someone who wants to learn about investing? Learn about investing? Maybe. Getting advice about investing? Never. Right. So the thing about ChatGPT is all it does is, is it doesn't, it's a doer, not a thinker. So it can't make an informed decision about, you know, it, all it's going to do is go trawl a bunch of websites that it's got. And just about every website says, we are an awesome investment because, <laughs> and it will just replay that back to you. But if you said to it, I've never done investing before. I'm particularly interested in the Australian stock market. Give it a bit more, as much context as you can. How would you suggest I make a start? Not necessarily what should I invest in, but what are the kind of steps I should take in order to make a start? What would be the, how, how do you learn this? Where would I go to learn this? Or you might even say, you might even tell it to be your investment coach. You are my investment coach. I don't need you to tell me which specific stocks or whatever to buy. But I want you to now ask me a series of questions that I now need to go and research that will give me some good, solid investment ideas. They can do that with anything, right, whether it's investment yeah. or any aspect that you want to learn. But I wouldn't trust it. And I just read an article about this a couple of days ago that some investment houses have been, have been testing things with ChatGPT and they're categorically saying you would not trust it for any investment advice on specific stocks. And the data is is old. It's from September 2021 at this point in time. It's old information anyway. So big warning on the label with that one. Teach me how? 
yes. Which ones should I? Definitely not. Thank you. That is really great advice. And anyone listening, please do not take advice from ChatGBT, <laughs> aka Charlie, on investment. Do your own research, make your own informed decisions. So September 2021, why is that such a key date? That's just when they scraped the data. So it's like there was a point in time where they grabbed all the available written data in the world and they dumped it into this model. And so they're not updating data after that date, is that right? They they have, so GPT 3.5 is the free version. GPT 4 has more data in it. So if you think about the data, I can't just can't remember the date off the top of my head, which I should know, shouldn't I, right? I should have known that. I know quantities is one thing. So when GPT 3.5 scraped all the data, the best way to think about it is the grains of sand on a beach. Mm -hmm. That's how much data it has, right? GPT 4 is the grains of sand from the whole planet. Wow. Right? So there's much more data in this. So they just extended the, what you say, the parameters of what they allowed. But I can't remember what the date limit is on GPT-4. So I guess for listeners, the main takeaway is there are some limitations in terms of the dates. If you're wanting what was best news last week or something like that, this may not be the best. No, but, you know, as it's getting more, more, you know, there's plugins and add-ins now available to the paid version, which is GPT-4. So you can now tell it, you know, an, an app like OpenTable, you can now have that plug in and say, can you find me five restaurants in the Melbourne CBD that are five star or more and that have a seat available at 7pm for four people on Friday the 15th of September? Wow. And it will find that for you and put the link for you to go make the booking. So that's available in the paid version. And you can also get, they've taken it away now. They had it for a little while, but they've now taken it away. But you could have an internet connection in there. So you could actually say, what's the weather like in Melbourne today? And it would be able to find that data. So it's coming, but it's going to be more real time. And other apps like Bard, and I think, which is the uh, Google version. So of course, if it's Google, it's a Google app, of course, it has access to Google. So it's going to have more up-to-date information. But I haven't played with Bard. I I find for what I need it for, ChatGPT is awesome. I very rarely walk away going, Oh wow, that's that's let me down. It's like you know, it's it gives me gives me what I need as a research tool. I really like it. Yeah, as a getting started tool, right? It's a getting as getting started your first tool. your first crappy draft. Sorry for the turn of phrase, but it, no matter what, we, in in the writing world, we usually have to have a first draft, right? And it'll give you something eighty percent good to go, and you've just got to go in there and tweak it. Yeah, I find it especially useful for my writing on frugal topics because, to be honest, I write about these things all the time and sometimes it gets a bit dry and I'm like, oh, what can I think about that's a bit out of the box? And so, you know, what are seven tips? I mean, this week I was writing something on spring gardening. What are seven tips for spring gardening? And it came up with a list of tips. And to be honest, I didn't really use them in the same form, but it got me thinking about, oh, okay, this is what it recommends. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But this is actually interesting, but I would do it in a different way. Right. So I use it all the time for that. So if you think about who your target audience is, in my case, it's corporate career women who are wanting to level up. So I might say, hey, uh, ChatGPT, I don't, I don't address it that way. I might just say, give me the hopes, fears, aspirations and goals of corporate career women who are in the executive level who have aspirations for the C-suite. What are their hopes, fears, aspirations and goals? 
and it lists those. And I go, great, for every single one of those, can you give me five blog ideas? And it does. And then I say, great, so for every one of those blog ideas, can you give me an irresistible title for it? And so then it goes to work on that. And so before I know it, I've got six months worth of blog articles with awesome titles. And then I can say, right, for this one, um, now because I don't, I, I like writing from my own material. And so there's a plugin that I'm using that's uh, uh, something like your PDF or PDF Reader, something like that. I'll find it and I can put it in the show notes if people are interested. So I've got all my books as PDFs. And so now I can say, write this article or blog on this topic, pulling from the information contained in this PDF, which is my book. Wow. I just so need that plugin. Right. So now I'm not plagiarizing. I'm using my content to generate my content. Wow. I love that. That's going to save me so much time once I learn. Now I have one final question for you, which is, do you have a Frugalista tip to share? I sure do. And it comes from my productivity world, which is do something every day that your future self will thank you for. That's so important because particularly in the, the money space, so many people think, oh, well, I may as well just spend up now because there might not be a tomorrow. Well, so I go, it's everything from, you know, activities that I do to keep myself healthy. It could be meal planning. I do a bunch of meal planning. My future self thanks me for that. It could be saving money that I know my future self is going to do. But I just think every day, it doesn't have to be just about money. Every day I could do something. could even be this afternoon, heading into the weekend, do an hour of power this afternoon which might free up a whole day for you tomorrow so you get to chill out more. So it's those kinds of things that I recommend. Love it. Thank you so much, Donna. Now, your book is everywhere, so I'm sure people can (laughs) find it. How can they connect with you? Easiest place is my website, www.donnamcgeorge.com. And if you're looking specifically for the books, just add slash books to the end of that and you'll find my books there. Wonderful. Thank you so very much for being my guest. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to The Joyful Frugalista with Serena Bird. And of course, sound has been by Neil Hadley.
to you.